Good morning. I hope everybody's doing well. So we're still in Micah 6 looking at what God requires of men and what happens when they fail to live up <clears throat> to those requirements. And hopefully today we can discuss um, <clears throat> some of the, well, let's see, some of what God brings on people when they fail to live up to his requirements, you know. <laughs> it's one of those things that, how do you put it? Well, we hear things a lot like, this is the verse that we went through, uh, 6, 8. He has told you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God, right? And sometimes, I suppose, or even just the idea of loving one's, uh, loving the Lord and loving one's neighbor. We look at those, those things sometimes and um, don't give them the weight that they deserve, you know. We don't give them um, the, well, we don't put them in the proper place in our lives. And then God judges people because they are requirements, you know. They're things that are not optional, if you will. But let's pray, and then let's read what the scripture says. And then, it's funny, um, <clears throat> in my own reading, I, I, I read uh, for my devotion. Uh, you know, people know that I love the Anglican church, right? So I read the Book of Common Prayer, right? And in those readings that are going through this season, um, we're in Zechariah right now and reading some of those passages. You see how God, because that's post-exile, right? You see how God says, see, I told you I was going to do this, and this is what happened to you. Now, do what I said before, right? So we'll read some, some of those, because we see in those, we see, here we see the prophecy, right, in Micah. And then in Zechariah, we see the fulfillment thereof. But let's pray, read the text, and then we'll discuss it. Okay? So, Heavenly Father, Lord, oh Lord God, you alone are God. You made it, each and every one of us, Father God. You made all things, things in heaven, things on earth, things under the earth, Lord God. All things are your creation, Lord. You alone are sovereign. You alone can command, Lord God. And we pray as we look into your word that uh, we would be moved to obey your commands, that we would be moved to be a people that does love you, Lord, and that does um, bear out what it is that you require of us, that we would be a people that uh, is marked by obedience, that we would be unique, different, separate from the world, Father God. 
Lord, we do give you thanks and praise for your word that you have uh, well, not left us as orphans, that you have given us your spirit so that we might uh, be united to Christ, to yourself, Father, um, that our hearts might be changed and that we might understand your word, not just intellectually, but through our entire being, Father God. And we pray, Lord, that your word would move us, that we would not just be hearers of the word, but doers. Yes. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so let's read now 6 to 18 here. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness or love faithfully and to walk humbly with your God or circumspectly with your God. The voice of the Lord cries to the city, and it is sound wisdom to fear your name. Hear of the rod and of him who appointed it. Can I forget any longer the treasures of wickedness in the house of the wicked and the scant measure that is accursed? Shall I acquit the man with wicked scales and with a bag of deceitful weights? Your rich men are full of violence. Your inhabitants speak lies, and their tongue is deceitful in their mouth. Therefore I strike you with a grievous blow, making you desolate because of your sins. You shall eat, and, but not be satisfied, and there shall be hunger within your dysentery, as it were, in your inner parts. Um, <clears throat> what you preserve, uh, you, you shall put away, but not preserve, and what you preserve I will give to the sword. I believe we spoke about that verse a little bit last time, right? It's uh, in questionable translation there, but <clears throat> you shall reap. I'm sorry, you shall, I can't read at all. Well, okay, sorry. You shall sow, but not reap. You shall tread olives, but not anoint yourselves with oil. You shall tread grapes, but not drink. For you have kept the statutes of Omri and all the works of the house of Ahab, and you have walked in their counsels, that I may make you a desolation and your inhabitants a hissing. So you shall bear the scorn of my people. <clears throat> now, reading um, texts like this, you know, especially the last verses there, right? What we read in 8 and then the last verse there. He has told you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to and faithful love and to walk humbly or circumspectly with your God. Now, as that is obeyed or disobeyed, as it were, we see uh, here in 16, for you have kept the statutes of Omri. Who remembers who Omri was? Is anybody? Omri. You want me to use it a sentence? <laughs> What's up? Yeah, he was the northern king, right, O-M-R-I, by the way. But, um, yeah, no, he was Ahab's father, right? And he built uh, the northern kingdom into a political power. He's the one who introduced Baal worship and everything else into 
think making um, treaties and whatnot with Tyre. He married his son, obviously, to uh, Jezebel, right? She was a, I don't know, a princess or a priestess of Tyre. And yeah, he was a political force, though, truly a political force, so much so that when we read uh, the tablets and whatnot that we find from ancient Assyria, they called northern Israel Omri land. Right? That's how they referred to northern Israel. So he was, a, he was a force there in northern Israel. He built them up militarily. He, uh, he, he did a lot of public works, if you will. You know, <clears throat> But he was utterly and completely wicked. And the people kept the statutes of Omri, he says. And these, remember, he's speaking to the southern kingdom at this point. And all the works of the house of Ahab. Right? Ahab, we know who, who Ahab was, the son of, of Omri there. The one who uh, well, really pushed Baal worship, the one who Elijah always had conflict with. We've read a lot about Ahab in our walk through uh, Kings. But uh, you have walked in their counsels that I may make you a desolation and your inhabitants a hissing, so you shall bear the scorn of my people. Now what's interesting about that, though, is like, the southern kingdom wasn't marked out by Baal worship like the northern kingdom was. But yet still, they were, um, well, as God says, they kept the statutes of Omri and did all the works of the house of Ahab. But they weren't worshiping Baal, really, were they? No. So what's, what's he saying there? What were they doing? Well, we read earlier, you know, they were <clears throat> had deceitful scales, deceitful weights and measures. Uh, earlier in the book, we saw how they, um, the wealthy would take from the poor, or not even the poor, just the workaday Joe, right? They would steal from, from them and take their inheritance, take their property from them, right? We get better pictures of this elsewhere in the scripture, right? We'll read uh, Jeremiah. Remember God said to them that he would relent if they would keep the year of Jubilee, right? They had to let their slaves go. They weren't letting their slaves go as they were supposed to. And they said, okay, okay, we'll do it. And they did, and God relented. And then they took them all back, right? They didn't do what they were supposed to do, and so then the hammer came down on them. But we get better pictures of it, as, as I said, uh, when we see after the fulfillment of these things, right? Let's read just a touch of uh, Zechariah. It's interesting. Let's see. <clears throat> Beginning in uh, verse 8 of chapter 7, it says, well, maybe we go a little bit before then. Yeah, let's read uh, from the beginning of chapter 7. It's a good spot to start. In the fourth year of, Dar of King Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah on the fourth day of the ninth month, which is Chislev. Now the 
people of Bethel had sent Sherezer and Regimelech and their men to entreat the favor of the Lord, saying to the priests of the house of the Lord of hosts and the prophets, should I weep and abstain in the fifth month as I have done for so many years? And the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, say to all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth month and in the seventh, for these 70 years, was it for me that you fasted? And when you eat and when you drink, do you not eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? Were not these words uh, that the Lord proclaimed by, my, by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and prosperous with her cities around her and the south and the <clears throat> lowlands were inhabited? And the word of the Lord came to Zechariah saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, Render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor, and let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. But they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears that they may not hear. They made their hearts diamond hard lest they should hear the law and the words that the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great anger came from the Lord of hosts. As I called, and they would not hear, so they called, and I would not hear, says the Lord of hosts. And I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations that they had not known. Thus the land they, uh, thus the land they left was desolate, so that no one went to and fro, and the pleasant land was made desolate. So we see the fulfillment of this, right, of what was said by Micah. The language is similar even, right? That I may make you a desolation and your inhabitants a hissing, so you shall bear the scorn of my people, right? You'll eat but not be satisfied. Yeah, so why do you think God speaks like that to his people? Uh, let's get more, um, what's the word, philosophical about this, right? Why does God speak like this to his people? Why do you think this is? Why does God bring these judgments upon his people? Go ahead. What's up? It is good fatherhood. So these people are his children? Universal fatherhood of God or special fatherhood? So Israel was God's chosen people. And be, even though they weren't being obedient, they were still his children. Okay, go ahead. He's their God. Who said, is God the God of the Jews only? But he's their chosen, right? So he's there, there to be a special people, as you're building on what Maria said correctly. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. basically he's saying to them, I told you that this is the way to do this. I told you that this is the way to, to, uh, uh, to in contrast to, to chaos, okay? Uh-huh. And, and they, haven't, they haven't obeyed. Right. They, they've made promises and they haven't kept them. They, they've uh, gone back, as you stated, they, they've gone and done what they should and then they've gone back on it. Um, to me, it's, he's, he's making a point. He's, the, the judgment was promised. He's, he's following true to his word, but he's, he's also setting an example for the nations as well as for his people. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Very true. Go ahead, Maria. It's like the Romans 5 type of argument, right, that Paul makes. Uh, like, well, there's always a law, but before Moses, people didn't sin in the likeness of Adam. They were given a specific law, so they have specific consequences, right? right there's, everybody knows that it's wrong to kill somebody, yeah? We're all born with a conscience. But they were told specifically, thou shalt not murder, right? So there's different repercussions that come upon them. So, so fundamentally, there's something different about Israel than, than there is. Go ahead. What were you going to say, Chris? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And death follows, right. That's right. Yeah, I, absolutely. They were a covenant people. God's covenant people. So like I said, there's something... Um, fundamentally different about them, or there was to be something fundamentally different about them. Go ahead. The, the, other, the other point is that when people veer to their own understanding as opposed to God's standard, uh, they may very well think they're, they're even doing correctly. Mm-hmm. In this case, I'm not so sure that's the case, but you know, they may think they're doing correctly, and they wonder, why is everything going wrong? Why is sure. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, there's another verse that I wanted to read that I should have included previously because it ties in more closely as well these judgments. In 8 of Zechariah, right, verse 10 it states, right, for before those days, so this is talking about the exile before before then there was no wage for man or any wage for beast neither was there any safety from foe for him who went out or came in for I set every man against his neighbor now that's that's interesting right 
there's no hired work, you can't get a job, right, as it says. And when you go out, every man's against you. Wow. That sounds familiar. <laughs> Doesn't it, right? It sounds quite familiar. Mm. Well, we deal with these things in our own present time, right? I mean, we see right now people losing work and stuff like this. People always lose work. But every man has pretty much set against his neighbor. That's, a, that's quite unique. We say our nation is uh, right now as divided as it was at the period of the Civil War. It's a bit different because it's not geographical in nature. You know, right now you have people, well, your actual neighbor, you're probably split up against, you know. So that makes it much harder to have a hot war, but it still makes life very much unbearable. Um, yeah, peace is elusive in, the, in these uh, troubled times. And here's something that a lot of people don't really think about. I mean, um, this, is, this is true of me and um, pretty much every single individual here who owns a house, right? We talked about inflation before. We talked about... Um, the scant weights and measures, right? Dealing with false weights and measures, deceitful weights, right? And how inflation is, is uh, <laughs> directly related to that, because it is. But um, one thing that's, that's interesting is that, you know, property owners generally, they like inflation, right? Because, well, you pay, you have a 30-year mortgage, more or less, right? Most people do. You pay a, X amount for your house, and, you know, 10 years down the road, you know, the dollar goes down, property's still property, so the value of the house goes way up, right? Like, Chris and I bought our house for a little bit, and it's worth, like, well, it's worth right, three times what it was before. Well, that's great for me, right? So I, I, I benefit from, from these things. I, I profit from um, unjust weights and measures, right? Yeah, and it's something that we, uh, a lot of people don't like to talk against inflation because of these reasons, you know. Um, some people don't even think about them. But, um, but the people that do, like, they sort of are wishy-washy on this because people do benefit from them, you know. But it, but it negatively impacts those who are most poor, right, those who are not property owners. Now, we're called, and they were called, again, to be fundamentally different. They were supposed to have circumcised hearts, right? And in the New Covenant, we know that all people know the Lord in terms of regeneration, right? We're Baptists. We don't believe in a mixed covenant, right? We don't baptize infants because why? Well, they're not regenerate, you know? They're not believers. So something truly is supposed to be absolutely and fundamentally different about the Christian in the New Covenant period, even more so than in the Old Covenant. God held them to a very high standard, right? What does the Lord require of you but to do justice and, lo and uh, faithful love, 
right? And to walk circumspectly with God, to not oppress your neighbor, you know, the poor, the widow, the orphan, but to show them mercy, to show them love, to show them kindness and tenderness and care, right? That's, those are things that we're called to do on a fundamental level, like deep down. It's supposed to affect us, right? And we see there's, there's an enemy to this, unfortunately, for, for the church, and there was an enemy for them, you know? That enemy was comfort, yeah? When you're living comfortably, we see, we read Isaiah, we talk, and God talks to them about, is this is, remember Isaiah is a contemporary of Micah, God talks to them about their plush houses and, you know, their fine clothing and the things that they have, right? And he says he's, he's going to take all of that away from them because they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, right? I'm not saying that everyone here gets what they have off the backs of the poor and destitute, right? But at the same time, when is the last time that we stood up for the poor and destitute? That we showed kindness to somebody who is less, you know, better off than we are, if you will. Well, yesterday we went out and we gave some food to the homeless and things like that. That was set up by a non-believer, and we did it, right? We went out there and did it, but a non-believer set that up for us, right? Right? Chris knows a gripe that I have right now, right? We, uh, we uh, obligated ourselves to give Christmas gifts to, a, uh, to three families in a public school, right? We went into the public school, talked to the social workers, and they said, yeah, there are children who do need, you know? There are children in need in this school, and so we, they let us, you know, it's a public school, yeah? They let a church go in and give gifts to children in need. Three families, ten kids, that's all there was. Not a lot, right? We got enough for five. That was it. We couldn't even get enough gifts for ten children. And public school is interesting, especially because uh, in, in our present climate, in, present, in the present era that we live, it has replaced the church for the uh, center of a community, right? The public school is where people go to meet and things like that. Right? Um, it's it's it is the ones where that give only well, do all the organizing and things like that. It's, it's more so centered around the public school than it is around the church how it used to be. And we had inroads in there, and you know it just sort of fell flat. That says something about us, right? That says something about us as a church. Go ahead. Let's, let's take this really basic. Yeah. Um, we're called to love our neighbors as ourselves. Right? Yeah. To, yeah. To, to what degree is that? <laughs> How much do we love ourselves? Do we take care of ourselves every day? Mm -hmm. Do we feed ourselves every day? Mm -hmm. Make sure we're clothed. In fact, we make sure we clothe nice, nicely. Mm -hmm. You know, on and on and on. Do we do that for our neighbor? Even right. More? Even one, right? That's that's what we and have I'm, to. Ask. I'm at fault, so that's what we have to ask ourselves, you know. So so we see we see the troubled times that we live in, right? And we read texts like this in scripture. I mean, my goodness, you shall eat but not be satisfied. 
well, this specifically is speaking about war, right? It's, it's like dysentery, like the, the, the disease of the bowels comes, is a product of war, you know? Uh, one of the greatest uh, crises happened in Yemen not that long ago. I spoke about it uh, before. Um, you know, it was an American-supported military operation in Yemen where Saudi was bombing all of the infrastructure. And Yemen is like the poorest country in um, that part of the world as it stands, and their infrastructure got bombed to nothing by the, by the Saudis. It was pointless and meaningless because a prince wanted to, you know, show off, you know, prove that he had, uh, you know, some military um, background, whatever. Regardless of what, it was uh, it was flown by Americans. It was done by Americans, and Americans supported it largely. But the dysentery that occurred there, my goodness, like it, it, it uh, how do you put it? Like hundreds of thousands of people died from the sickness that came after the bombings, you know, then more died from that than died from the actual attacks themselves, you know. And that's what is being spoken of here, you know, more or less. But there's a deeper meaning to it as well, you know. The eating and not being satisfied, right? We, when a, <laughs> how does the proverb put it, right? Um, there's, it, how do we, I don't know. How do we put this simply? Uh, well, you know the greedy person, right? The rich person, the wealthy person. Well, like uh, a good example would be, um, uh, what's his name? What is it, Ted Turner, right? Well, there was two questions asked. Was there, one was Rockefeller, one was Turner. Turner was about property, I believe. Like, like uh, how much property is enough for you? It's like he just wants to own whatever's touching his, you know, so, right? Uh, I believe Rockefeller was asked, um, how much money's enough, you know? He's like, oh, one more dollar, right? <laughs> never ends. You're eating and consuming, consuming, but never satisfied, right? Now that's a that's a problem. We're called to be content in all things, you know? But as Americans, you know, we, we are a very privileged people. And that word has become, um, you know, misused, unfortunately white privilege and this and that, you know, whatever. Who cares about all that? That's nonsense. But there is such thing as privilege, you know. We are blessed. We could call it blessing. God has poured his blessings out on us, you know. But we're to use those blessings to be blessings, right? Or to be a blessing to others. And yet, uh, as Israel, Judah, failed, we've seen the church fail miserably, face plant, at this, not there's a lot of things that has the church has done wrong in America, from you know earlier times to the present, and we're seeing all of those things building and stacking up, right? Like, how do we get into the state that we're in in this country? I mean, my goodness, people can't even tell if they're boys or girls. You ask somebody, what's a boy or a girl, and they can't give you an answer. You know, doctors aren't allowed to write. It's a boy or a girl on the birth certificate. They have to wait until, you know, they choose themselves. How do we get there? You know? Like, whose fault is that, really, truly? Well, the church's fault, yeah. It is the church's fault. We let it get very far. 
because we move away from first things, right? Simple, basic things. That's why I asked the question at the beginning, why does God speak like this to these people, you know? Well, because they're supposed to be fundamentally different. They're supposed to be different in nature than they are to uh, those who are round about them, the nations round about them. Their natures were supposed to be radically different. That's why he used those words. He has told you, oh man, Adam, right? What is good? Right? Because when God made man, he made him good, right? His creation was good. He's saying, this is what it means to be a human being as you've been made, right? To do these things, right? And so when you act other than this, you are less than human, right? And we're called as a church to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, right? That is the grand goal of all things, right? What does that mean? Who is Jesus Christ? Really? <laughs> That's not a trick question. <laughs> huh? He is the king of this world, right? God incarnate. Yeah, it's Christmas time, right? The perfect man. The last Adam. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The last Adam. The perfect man. God incarnate. Incarnate. You know, um, Jesus wasn't the Christ before he took on flesh. Right? As a matter of fact, he wasn't Jesus before he took on flesh. But... Um, the second person of the Trinity was not Christ. Christ is the title of a human being, and only a human being, the son of David, right? So if we're called to be conformed to the image of Christ, what does that mean? Well, we're supposed to be like this. Man, true man. True, we're supposed to grow up into the mature man, the true humanity. Right? We're supposed to be as God intended us to be at the beginning. That's what it means to be conformed to the image of Christ. Right? And what does that mean? That means to do these things. He requires them. And when we fail, then bad things happen, have to happen. Oh, I didn't say that. I said the second person of the Trinity wasn't Jesus before the Incarnation. Jesus is what he was named as a baby, right? To save his people. Go ahead. What are you going to say? Continue. <laughs> but he was yeah, I didn't say he didn't exist. But he wasn't a man for all eternity. He took on flesh, right? Jesus is the name of that child that was born and was placed in a manger, right? Does that make sense? Hopefully that makes sense. Um, I think it does. Okay. All right. <laughs> Go ahead. Mm -hmm. He took on flesh in time, yeah, in history, right, in roughly 4 B.C., huh? What's that? I'm sorry. Right. 
And then, well, he took on flesh. Yeah. Is it the Old Testament that doesn't matter what they were defined as? Ah. Um, uh, that's a hard question to answer. It's hinted at, but it's not spelled out, you know? Uh, when Christ came, a lot more questions were answered, right? Um, there's language that's suggestive, but it's not laid out, you know? It says, as a matter of fact, in John that, that, that Jesus revealed when he came, he revealed the Father, right? We, we, it's funny, you read the, the Old Testament and, you know, you read the New Testament, especially looking back now from our perspective, and you read about, um, well, hear what the Lord says, and all, you read all of these things, and you're thinking, oh, the Father's like, you know, and uh, this has been a, a problem with uh, some heretical sects within the church and whatnot, you know, Marcion and those guys, um, thinking that, oh, the God of the Old Testament, he's all angry and all this stuff, and he's, you know, whatever, wrathful and judgmental and all this terrible stuff, and he's doing, killing children and, and women, and it's just bad, you know, that God is a bad, mean God, right? But we see Jesus in the, in the New Testament, he's nice and he's kind, you know, but what they don't understand is, well, Jesus revealed the Father, what they're seeing, what they're uh, in the Old Testament, what, what they're interacting with is the second person of the Trinity. They're interacting with the Son, you know. The word of the Lord came to me. Yeah? That's Christ, right? He came to them saying, hmm? Yeah, so, what's up? Yeah, the pre-incarnate Christ. Not Jesus as he exists in terms of present, right? But the word of the Lord or the angel of the Lord, you know. That's how he appeared to them, you know, so, or came to them, revealed himself to them, you know. And then in the New Testament, it says that he revealed the Father and sends the Spirit, yeah. So we have a clearer picture. Uh, theology is um, progressive, right? In the beginning, less information was given. And as time progressed through the prophets and through God's self-revelation, he um, expanded people's knowledge of himself. He revealed himself more fully to men, right? So in the Old Testament, it was hinted at, the language was there, but it was not, it was like one of those mysteries. It was not fully revealed until the time of the New Testament. Right? And hopefully that answers your question. Okay, good. All righty. So, let's see, what do we got? All these bad things. God strikes them with a grievous blow, making them desolate or a horror because of their sins. They eat and are not satisfied. Therefore, hunger shall be within you. Ah. Bringing to the point of birth, but not giving birth. And what they do give birth to will be given to the sword is a better way to say um, you shall put away, but not preserve. Right? You shall sow, but not reap. You shall tread olives, but not anoint yourselves with oil. You shall tread grapes, but drink no wine. No, that's, that's interesting. Well, not really. 
and it's pretty clear as to what that means, but go ahead. Well, when God leaves, the blessings leave. Yeah. Well, in this context, no, no. Um, he's making them a desolation, a horror. You know, in 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 the context that we're given right here. Um, what does it mean to be a whore? What does it mean to be desolate? Well, as it says, you know, they're going to be empty. You know, someone imagine someone who's you have you has anyone met someone who's Seems desolate, empty. No, <laughs> no life in them. Good. No, no, no. No, I mean, uh, kind of, but but that should give you an idea. There's no life in them. There's there's nothing there. They eat and they're not satisfied. They drink and they're not fulfilled. Right? There, there's no life. There's no. There's no. There's nothing. Mm hmm. Yeah. There is, there is. Yeah, this is true, this is true. Yeah, and, and in a lot of ways, uh, non-believers are desolate, you know. Um, yeah, in the most fundamental way, men are, they're, they're desolate. Yeah. There's that God-shaped hole, you know. Go ahead. <laughs> Sure. But even imagine having good things and just not finding any sort of fulfillment in them whatsoever, you know? What's that? Yeah, suicides in Hollywood, like the, uh, rich and powerful, miserable, right? A lot of times we see that a lot, you know, doing really, you know, bad things to try to fill some kind of some something, you know. Anyway, but that that's the idea, and more than that, um, <clears throat> when when words like this are used, a lot of times there's plays on them, right? They mean more than one thing. It says that, that they are desolate, right? That they do these things, but at the same time, the land is going to be left desolate. And remember, their identity is with the land, right? Go ahead. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, des a person who's, yeah, exactly. That person that we describe is going to produce no fruit. Or the fruit that they produce is going to be vile, right? Rotten, you know. Right. That's absolutely true. So, all right. Any thoughts, comments, or questions about this? Because then next week we'll jump into the the next part. I don't really get into the Omri stuff, you know. But that's all right. We don't need to do that this time. We spoke about Omri before. If you want to hear more about Omri, you can go back and listen to listen to when we dealt with him in Kings. All right, it's in there somewhere, in, in online. That is good. Your homework for this week? Oh, I don't know. Let's see. What's a good? What's a good one? Let's do. 
All right, everybody's gonna go and buy a Christmas gift for somebody who can't pay you back. Good, yes, and bless them with it. Yeah, be a blessing. How about that? All right, that's a, that seems simple enough. All right, and if you can't find somebody or you don't know anybody, find somebody. How about that? Makes it a little bit harder, a little bit more tricky, doesn't it? <laughs> you could do that. Mm. Well, this, I would like to see people do this personally, where they hand something to somebody. Look somebody in the eyes and give it to them. You know, be a blessing. Not an anonymous donor, but where you are the face of Christ to another individual. All right. Let's do that. All right. Let's pray and close. Heavenly Father, Lord, God, we thank you for your word, for the blessings that we do have in Christ and, and in in. Uh, all your rich and precious promises, Father God. And we know that we don't measure up to these things. You know, we are, we are all sinners, Lord God. And, you know, I know that I am uh, among the worst, Father. And yet you still are uh, faithful. You still forgive, Lord God. And we, we thank you for that. And we praise you that we have been called to be a people uh, who are special, Lord, that you have converted us, made us your own. And Father, we do pray that we would be a people who loves you, truly, truly does love you, and truly loves our neighbor um, as ourselves, Father God, that we would always, always walk wisely before you, considering our steps before you, Father God. Um, we pray that uh, you'd be pleased with uh, our lives, and especially today as we seek to worship you, you'd be pleased with our worship, Lord, that you'd be honored and glorified, that the name of Christ would be magnified and exalted, Lord God, especially at this period of the year, Lord, where we celebrate the incarnation, that marvelous mystery that God took on flesh and dwelt among us. Lord, that is more than we can fathom. Lord, as we celebrate that, Father, let us always be reminded that we are to be made into his image to walk as true human beings. Lord, and let that be well, present in our worship even today. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.